Several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow Talk to me nice Talk to me nice You've got to And it is time for your weekly grape encounter. We often talk about the concept of tasting wine in the blind. I judge a lot of wine competitions. We never know what the wines are that we're tasting. But consider this twist making wine in the blind. You probably wonder what I'm talking about. Well, what I'm talking about, a very, very unique brand, and also one of the really great wines that comes out of the central coast of California. The brand is Hunt Wine Cellars. The winemaker is David Hunt. He's on with me now. And what makes David different than other winemakers is he's legally blind. And uh, David, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, David. Good to be here. I've never heard even the slightest bad word about your wines. Quite the contrary. Everybody that's had your wines loves them, and everybody that's met you loves you, and they say you're a very funny guy, by the way. So we're going <laughs> we're, we're to find out if that's true in the next little while. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm open. <laughs> Besides making wine, by the way, you're a musician, you're a lyricist, you're an author, you're an entrepreneur, an inventor, a developer, all kinds of stuff, a carpenter. That was the past, and, and a lot of it is it's still what I'm currently working on. As you called, I was working on a, a chapter in my book today, and that book is called is, will be called Everything is Possible. So let's talk about, you know, what happened to you, because you, you lost your, your eyesight some time ago, right? Can you do you mind sharing that story? Not at all. I'm from a large family, seven kids. My dad had retinitis pigmentosa, which is called RP, a degenerative eye disease. All my brothers had it, including myself, and I got seemingly the worst dose because I drove a car up until uh, my late 30s and uh, I played tennis. And, and then in my early 40s, I lost the ability to read. And I have a 21-year-old daughter. I've never seen her face. I went totally blind. But the vineyard is named after her, Destiny Vineyards. Her name is Destiny. I can't, I can't even imagine that. But as you're going through this, and you obviously at least somewhat prepared that this could happen to you because of the history in your family, what was your mindset then and, and, and your reaction were you mad at the world? Were you accepting of what was happening? Where, 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 what were you thinking? Well, no, I'm not mad at the world. I think God 
had this happen for a reason. That reason is to inspire and to motivate people and to teach people never give up on your dreams. Everything is possible, candidly. I don't waste my days. I spend each, uh, each day trying to better myself in some arena, whether it's music or whether it's writing a book or whether it's I spend hours and hours blending wines. So I'm always busy. I have to focus it as an inconvenience that I have to work around. You know, in life, everybody has something you have to deal with. You have to work with what you have and not focus on what you don't have. Something that I don't talk about, and I've never mentioned it on, on the air, I suffer from, from a condition that creates a great deal of pain in my life almost almost every minute of every day. And there, there are times where I start to feel sorry for myself, and then I go, wait a second, you know, there, everybody has something they're dealing with. If anybody tells you their life is perfect, it probably isn't. It's not a level playing field. You just got to be a, a better warrior. In my case, wow. <laughs> I deal with it all the time. People seemingly take advantage, believe it or not. You'd think that people have compassion, even a little bit of compunction, but that doesn't exist all the times in the world. But there's a lot of great compassionate people. I love this line, and I don't know if this is a direct quote from you, the idea that you have an inner vision that can see a God-made world and not a man-made world. And I thought that was just really a, a beautiful line. It's true. The power of visualization can really overcome a lot of obstacles. It's amazing sometimes how, what your mind can do. I've actually, <laughs> just talking to people, it's, it's crazy. I, I, by talking to you, I think your eyes are blue, your hair is blonde. I've had that happen where I was right so many times. It's weird. I don't know how I know it, but it's an innate sense that we all have these sensors. We just got to learn to turn them on. So what, what, what is it that you, you miss the most, or is there anything that you miss the most? Sure. I miss the freedom of, uh, of getting in my car and taking a ride. I miss the freedom of walking to a restroom without someone taking my hand and helping me. I miss the freedom of reading a book. Uh, these are things, like I said, you have to focus to work around. Uh, there's so many freedoms that people take for granted with their eyes. You know, the inconvenience, the imposition that, that blindness can uh, put on other people is a bitter pill to swallow, but you got to work around it. And I try to be as autonomous as I can and uh, focus on what I do have. We're talking to David Hunt. He is the founder of Hunt Wine Cellars. He's been legally blind since 1990, but that has not stopped him from being one of the really great winemakers on the central coast of California. You were blind, weren't you, when you actually decided to get into winemaking? Do I have that correct? I was not completely blind. Actually, I have been doing research for years, and I could see the soil and terroir of our vineyard. And I knew right then that if I could find agricultural water, it would be magic. And in the wine business, it's all about the soil, the weather, the water, and then the winemaker. And that our vineyard is magical. You, you can come taste 10, 12 varietals. Every varietal will be uniquely concentrated to the fruit character of that varietal. For example, Cabernet, you know, what you, you know it's Cabernet without having to guess what it is. It's not homogenized. Merlot, that tastes like Merlot. Malbec, wow, that's... Malbec. We have a great vineyard with great soil. You know, a lot of times the, the cabs that I taste on the Central Coast don't necessarily taste like the cabs that, you know, I grew up with as a young adult and later in, into life that came from places like Napa. They're, you know, sometimes I would mistake those wines for other wines. So getting Cabernet varietally correct in, in, in certain places, it's not the easiest thing to do. I'm so glad you said that. That's really? Let me, let me explain a, 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 a problem I'm facing. What you just said, there is a, there is a, a pastorable's profile, and that profile is usually, a lot of pe people, unfortunately, 
uh, are, are they'll ripen the fruit whether they do it purposely or not, and it gets some of it gets that stewy uh, to, tomato profile. Yes, I'm not knocking yeah, these people. Ex- exactly. Yes. And it's herbaceous. Now, I'm put into a, a category. So, so let's say there's this uh, wine taster who's raining wines. He tastes 20 of those type of cabernets, and he comes to mind. Hey, this doesn't taste like Paso Robles. So, so that's another quandary I'm in. But you go taste us against Harlan, the most expensive California cabernets, and you'll say, wow. This is from Pat. I hear it all the time. This is Paso Robles. It blows <laughs> people's minds. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's very astute of you. Uh, and this is another. You never think you'd have to fight this battle of quality and uniqueness, but seemingly I'm having to. Well, I will say this: that I have oftentimes, in judging wine competitions, I've gotten into arguments with other judges about the issue of varietally correct. And you're going to be surprised at what I'm going to say because okay. <laughs> because because I, I I've often said yes this wine is not varietally correct but dang is it good it's delicious and it's a crowd pleaser and that puts you in a quandary you know as a wine judge as a wine professional because you know it all depends on how you look at it but if you're the thing is is that if somebody goes to a store and they they buy a bottle of Hunt Cabernet. And it doesn't taste like Cabernet. Even if it tasted delicious, they might be disappointed because they don't want a wine that tastes like Zin. They want Cab. Well, it's like what you just said. It's a good wine. What is it? Yeah, it's a good. It's <laughs> not variety correct. <laughs> now, uh, Sonoma. Well, well, let's hold, hold that. Hold, hold your next thought for a second, uh, David, because we got to take a quick break. Uh, okay. Otherwise, we won't be able to keep the show on the air. But anyway, uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We're talking to David Hunt of Hunt Cellars on the Central Coast of California. Uh, legally blind since 1990, but wow, can he see when it comes to making wine? And you've got to. I was going to say you got to see his wines to believe him, but you got to taste him uh, to really understand just how talented this man is. We'll be back with more. Grape Encounters right after this. is 100% estate-grown. We have, however, removed the pretentiousness and added a healthy dose of fun. David will be right back as soon as he's through unfriending anyone who doesn't love wine. Oh, I I guess this could be a very short break. Hi, it's David Wilson. And if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. 
But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. And you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the V-Spin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from MM Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless sprouted walnuts and lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, estate organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate covered walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get your ship right away at mmorganics.com. Winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. We're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and finally, I get to talk to David Hunt. David Hunt of Hunt Cellars of the Paso Robles Wine Region on the Central Coast of California. David makes a mean bottle of wine. Actually, how many different wines do you make, David? On our vineyard, we have all five Bordeaux. Cabernet is about half of our vineyard. We have 550 acres, of which 60 is planted. About half of that is Cabernet. Then I have an, an acre of the, of the five Bordeaux, the Malbec, the Petit. Bordeaux. Then I have about five acres of Merlot. Then we make a Super Tuscan. We, we have uh, the Mediterranean varietals. We have Sangiovese. We have Barbera, believe it or not. And we have some white varietals, small amount of Viognier and Sauvignon Blanc, which likes the same uh, Tuar as the Cabernet does. We have Syrah, Zinfandel, and about an acre of Grenache. You are making my favorite wines. Did, did, did you say Cab Franc, by the way? I don't recall. Yes, oh, I you do. did I say have, it. Okay. I have Cab Franc. I'm a, I'm, we're pretty famous for Cab Franc. David, I'm on a Cab Franc thing right now. I love Cab Franc. But, you know, taste change as we go along. You know, I, I failed to mention at the beginning of this segment that, that you are legally blind. That was really, wasn't the only reason that we got you on the show, but it's, it's so fascinating. We were, we were talking before we went to break about varietal correctness, and, and, and you and I, I think, agreed that 
that comes to the Bordeaux varietals that in some places, and, and I feel in, in, in the case of where we live, that it can be a challenge to get it right. That's not to say, by the way, that there aren't some amazing cabs that are, you know, made by members of, for instance, the Cab Collective here. It's easier to get it wrong, I think, than to get it right. And I've been on the record saying, you know, I think we tend to be more here a, a Rhone environment than a Bordeaux environment, but there are guys like you who are getting it right. And I think, you know, as time goes on, if people pay attention to the David Hunts of the world, that we can be world-class in all things. There is some incredible varietals being made in Paso Robles. Bordeaux, I think Paso has now produced almost as much cab as, as uh, up in Napa. There are, like you said, some are getting it right, and some are having the varietal character that really defines a cab. But I think one of the things that's going to really happen is not only the Rones, and then it was then Rones, I think Malbec is going to be a player because a lot of the Argentina Malbecs you taste, like I said earlier, is a good wine, what is it? But there's purity in the varietal of a lot of the Paso Malbecs. I think that if you taste the Malbec, you'll say, wow, that's what we get is a lot of wows in our Malbec. I don't make a lot of it. I don't have it available all the time. But when it's good, it's good. And I've been getting some incredible accolades uh, from people who've tasted my back around the world but regarding ours. That, I think that's going to be the next uh, Paso. That, I, I would love to, I'd love to see that. And, you know, Malbec, of course, is just exploding in popularity right now. And I, I must say, I love South American Malbecs. You know, they're pretty delicious and they're a great buy. But I don't want to get off the topic of, of what you're doing. Tell me if you think that there is something about your blindness that helps you to, at least metaphorically speaking, see how to keep these varietals more on target than if you were sighted. A gift, I believe. I can take one sip of a wine and, and know so, so much about it. I, I, can, I can tell you how it was, uh, if it was done in open vats, picking bins, or in a lot of cases, there's just something I know I think everybody, again, has the ability to turn on their sensors. A lot of people are lazy. Maybe I have the ability to focus more, or maybe it's just a, a gift. I mean, do I, does it help in the varietal characteristics? Yes, sometimes you can um, change. Like if I, let's say I'm making a Cabernet, and I want to make it a little bit juicier and a little more varietal expression, I may add some Cab Franc or maybe 2% Merlot. I rarely have to do that because of the purity of our vineyard, but I have done it. Well, I was going to say, and I can imagine without any distractions around you, you know, you're not, you know, all the clutter of a, of a barrel room or the laboratory, you know, other people, even, you know, sometimes the color of the wine can sometimes throw off your perception of the wine. I imagine that when you, you, you are really 100% focused on taste, that you're going to have experiences that I might not have. Possibly, but somehow... I sometimes, I can taste color. Uh, this is weird. Like, for example, in my glass, let's say it was a Malbec. I remember this vividly. I said, this tastes really deep reddish purple. And is that what the color is? And my sister says, yeah, that's pretty much the color. So I named that wine Purple Haze. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you remind me, though, of a, a story, a study, actually, that I read some time ago where they had put wine in black glasses, and uh, red and white, and there were several instances where the people tasting the wine couldn't tell whether they were drinking a red wine or a white wine. 
Isn't that strange? It, it can happen to anybody, actually. Yeah, it is. I heard that. I heard about that study, and that's where, again, you've got to turn your sensors on. Uh, sometimes if a well-made, well-constructed white wine can throw you off. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then rosés can be really tricky because you know, they don't know what they want to be. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a fruity bomb element of a rosé, typically, yeah. uh, unless you make a dry rosé. <laughs> All right, well, listen, hey, David, you know, I hate to say it, we're out of time for the moment, but you have made a solemn pledge to me, I believe, that uh, we're going to get together at the vineyard, at the winery, and we're going to spend some time together and do a, a, a full feature on Hunt Cellars. It's such a great story. Uh, do I have your promise on that? You got it. You just promised we'll to. Do it. You just promised to all America, David. You know. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're going to have to do it. You got it. Hey, let's give you a little plug. If people want to get a hold of the Hunt Wines, what, what do you do? Huntsellers.com. Huntsellers.com. Or, or you can call our taste room at area code eight zero five two three seven one six zero zero. I can tell you guys uh, out there listening. These are totally amazing wines. They, they're some of the most respected wines um, in this region, and that is saying a lot because we are in one heck of a great wine region. So you really want to check it out. And um, we're, we're not through with David Hunt. Uh, we're going to go out there and we'll do a show right there from the property, and we'll see how he goes about you know, doing his uh, daily duties uh, at the winery. And, and, David, what a pleasure to talk to you, really. And it's been so nice getting to know you. I'm here, David. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, we'll um, like I said, we're not done with you yet. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters, including uh, a visit with the CEO of the Santa Barbara Vintners down south of here. That's coming up next on Grape Encounters. way to avoid spitting wine is to avoid wines unworthy of being swallowed. David will be right back in a spit second. Oops, my bad. Make that split second. For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. Atascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic colony district. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com. Hi, it's David Wilson. And if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. 
Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. And you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the V-Spin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson. back with Grape Encounters Radio, and my oh my, I am so delighted to actually do a story and to visit with somebody who is very important in the area where Grape Encounters actually was born, in Santa Barbara County. And everybody, of course, knows Santa Barbara. You've heard of it, and unfortunately, it's been in the news for all the wrong reasons in recent months, but it is one of the premier wine countries in America, really in the world. We haven't really had much discussion about their wines in the region for a while. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about an event that, in my mind, is one of the great wine festivals that goes on in the United States of America. And I have on the CEO of the Santa Barbara Vintners, Allison Laslett. And Allison, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome aboard to the show, but also welcome aboard to the position because you joined the organization just very recently in December. Yep, December 1. So how's it feeling? Uh, (laughs) I think it's drinking from a fire hose. Um, (laughs) You know, I definitely jumped into the middle of everything. The Vintners Festival happens in April every year. I was brand new um, and have been learning on the fly about producing a large festival and telling everyone about it. So, yes, it's been a wonderful entry. Hey, no pressure there, right? You've got this festival that's been going on for, I think it's like 36 years now, right? Or this is That's right. This is the 36th year, right? This is the 36th year. It started in 1982. The expectations are pretty high here because this is one of the really good festivals. I mean, really, really excellent. Great wine. A lot of fun. And that area is so beautiful to begin with, especially that time of year. Tons of people go. I don't know. It's got to be like thousands and thousands, right? It's not thousands and thousands, but our goal this year is to have 2,000 people attend the festival. And yes, it is the viewed as the, the wine festival that began wine festival. So it's definitely one of the oldest festivals, if not the oldest. And it was started 36 years ago, as we said, by 17 vintners who essentially 
pitched tents and brought their wines out and put 500 tickets up for sale and sold out the very first year. So mm. the next year, they put 1,000 tickets up for sale. That tradition of the vintners pouring their own wines and being available to talk to you about the wine and explain it is what's unique and, and I think really interesting about the Vintners Festival is the vintners themselves. So I think what's going to be interesting to people who are listening who are in other parts of the country, they know the name Santa Barbara, and maybe they've had Santa Barbara wines, but the influence of Santa Barbara has been unmistakable. I hate to bring this up, but especially when we think about the most popular cult movie having to do with wine of all time, Sideways. Sure. Anybody that that drinks wine has seen the movie Sideways. It's still selling. And everything that you see in that movie that goes on, goes on in Santa Barbara County. The name Santa Barbara is certainly the, the most recognizable in our county of the towns, but our wine region encompasses all of Santa Barbara County. So Sideways took place further north of Santa Barbara, sorry, northeast. Santa Ynez Valley and Santa Rita Hills and places like that. Yeah, there's six AVAs up there that are covered in Santa Barbara County. And, you know, what makes our area different is that our valley is what's called a transverse valley. So that the valleys are running east to west and they're getting that cool ocean air that goes very deep into the valleys. And so we can grow a lot of different grapes there. It's a technical point and it may have been lost on a few people, but I really want people to understand that, that geographically, when you look at the state of California and you look at that valley, it's very rare. And I think it may be the only valley that runs east to west, or maybe there's one or two more, but I can't think of what they would be. I don't know if there are other ones myself. I can't speak to that. But yeah, I, that's what makes the, um, the Vintners Festival or Santa Barbara County unique is actually the diversity of wines that can be produced there. The air flows from east to west and then west to east in the evening. So you've got this, this cool Pacific air that there's nothing stopping it. It can flow in in a very big way and then flow back out again. And so you get these really particularly large uh, changes in uh, temperature differences. And that's something that a lot of grapes really, really love. That's why the, the Pinots are so popular from that area. But one of the things that's very striking about the Santa Barbara wines is the diversity. If you wouldn't mind taking just a minute to familiarize listeners with the kinds of wines that are being made there, I, th- I think it really is a testimony to just how significant this wine region is. Right now, I have heard from one of my board members, 72 varieties uh, <laughs> being grown. In Santa Barbara County. 72? Right. right. I was going to... 72. If you had said 30, I was going to... I was ready to say, wow, 72? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's crazy. I think the big ones are recognizable to most of your listeners. We obviously have Cabernet. We have Chardonnay and Grenache. We have Pinot Noir, Sauvignon Blanc, Syrah, and Viognier. Now, those are just, you know, the, the big ones that run across the top. And then we have... A whole lot of other smaller grapes that the vintners will grow and test out, blend them. This new generation of wine drinkers, the millennials, are really, Uh really into discovery. And they don't care so much that the wine they're drinking is one of the big eight or nine that we're all used to talking about and drinking. You know, they like to discover new stuff. So uh, I think it's really fun to see regions like yours that are planting things and not being concerned about whether or not 
not they're going to be able to sell the wines because they know there's a market for it with this very, very curious generation, which is actually the largest generation of all time in America anyway. So, you know, it's a, it, the timing's great for that. And some of the wines that are starting to get really popular, I, I, I think of as an example, Tanat, you know, is one that we're starting to see a lot more of. I don't know if you grow it down there. People are just loving this new stuff. That's a great point about the millennials. You've seen the the kind of uptick in the microbreweries. That's been driven by the millennials. They are interested in what's unique, what they can discover, as you say, and also areas that have not been discovered. They want to be the first to understand it or the first to explore it. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that we talk about with Santa Barbara as well, is not just the variety of the wines that we have there, but it's a wine region that's largely untouched, I think you would say. It's very rustic, it's beautiful, you can still go and have the conversations with the people who are making wine. Um, it, it has not been changed much in years. You you get up there and you hit the country roads and you can just drive vineyard to vineyard to vineyard up there. Or if you want to go and explore a whole group of wineries, you can go into the small towns where you've got tasting rooms one after another and you can just learn about all of these different varieties or wines and really find the ones that speak to you. So let's talk about the little teeny tiny town of Los Olivos, which is where we did, we did our we did our very first interview there, and it's only a couple of blocks in each direction. I know there's like something like 30 tasting rooms that you can walk to within about, you know, two blocks in any direction. Am I right about that? That's right. No, you are right about that. It is tiny, and it's the town that I was just thinking of when I was describing that is Los Olivos. It's, it's the perfect tiny winery town. If you want to learn and discover you can go there. But you got to do this. Wineries. You, you have to get a hotel room there. You need to take your car keys and give them to the front desk and tell them to promise <laughs> not to give you the car keys back until tomorrow. And then you can walk around to your heart's delight and enjoy wine. We want you to be safe. Right. And the good news is that you can do that in in there. No problem. You can reach everything in Los Olivos. Yeah, Lo, Los Olivos is Spanish for temptation. It's <laughs> really not, but, but it ought to be. Hey, Allison, hang with me for just a second. We We've got Allison Laslett. She is the CEO of the Santa Barbara Vintners, and they got a big festival coming up. And there's a reason why I really, really want you to consider going to that festival. And, and please, you know, bear in mind that, that people come to this festival literally from all parts of the country. I've been there, and I've talked to people who have flown great distances to go to the festival. And so we'll talk a, a bit more about that. By the way, what is the actual date on the festival? April 21st. Yeah, so we got plenty of time. You got plenty of time to get a, to, to book a flight if you're out of the state, if you're in the state. You know, it's just a, well, everything's a long drive. Who am I kidding in the state of California? But we'll come back and talk more about uh, Santa Barbara Wines and the Santa Barbara Vintners Festival with Allison Laslett in just a second. Remember, as much as you may love wine, it is not the answer to your problems. Unless the problem is you're out of wine. 
Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue right after these important messages. You don't have a problem with that, do you? For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero, located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. Atascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic colony district. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com. I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from MM Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless sprouted walnuts and lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, estate organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate covered walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get your ship right away at mmorganics.com. Conservative about what he spends on wine, but liberal on how much he pours his friends. Here's your host, David Wilson. Back with Grape Encounters Radio, we're uh, talking to Allison Laslett. She is the CEO of the Santa Barbara Vendors. And, you know, Allison, there's so many great stories that come out of Santa Barbara. You know, we were talking about Sideways a few minutes ago, and there was a little caveat that I wanted to make sure I mentioned. Uh, I saw that uh, Richard Sanford and, you know, some of the original winemakers will be at the event. As I understand it, the whole reason the, the book Sideways came about was because Rex Pickett, who wrote the book, used to come up and hang with Richard and the boys. He'd drink a lot of Pinot, fell in love with Pinot, and then created the movie Sideways. And, of course, Miles hates Merlot and loves Pinot. And anyway, it's funny how you know, stories like that come about and how our tastes here in America have actually been affected by fictitious characters' tastes that were invented <laughs> by real people. I think that Michael Mondavi said, which is to trust your palate. And I really heard that because I thought, that's how you learn about wine, and that's how you taste wine, if you trust your own palate. Let's get into the festival, okay? So the festival 
Festival is coming up in a few weeks, April 21st, that's a Saturday. And this year, the festival is being held in River Park in Lompoc. This year, it's sponsored by Explore Lompoc. They're one of our presenting sponsors. It was there five years ago. It's not the first time that we've been over there. And Lompoc is nice. It's within striking distance of the Santa Inez Valley, Santa Barbara, Los Angeles. It's easy access for a lot of people. So let's talk about the very special aspect to the festival this year. You're celebrating the first responders and the people who helped to you know, get things normalized again. Can you speak to that? Yeah, the fires and the mudslides were economically devastating to the Santa Barbara Vintners, to many, many people, and also to the Vintners. People could not get to the wineries or the tasting rooms. So the festival is an opportunity to support the Vintners' recovery. We also wanted to give back to the first responders who were the men and women who fought the fires and people out of the mudslides. So when you purchase a ticket, you have an option to also purchase a ticket for a first responder on our website. We would like to be able... Yeah, we'd like to be able to give them a stack of tickets and welcome them to the festival as the guests of the the people who are in attendance. Could somebody also go on the website and just purchase a first responder ticket, even if they aren't in the area? Is that something they could do? Yes. Really? Okay, yes, good. we have had people do that. You can go on, and if you're not in the area, you can buy a ticket for a first responder. We also have a silent auction that's going to benefit the local community as well. Kind of, um, that kind of gave me the chills, actually, you know, the idea of you know somebody going on there and just doing something. What a nice thing that you could do for a firefighter or a policeman or anybody that helped you know to save that area because if you could see the devastation and i've seen it i've driven through it it's so astonishing you know how much beautiful beautiful hillsides and 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 just natural lands had been burned to a crisp and you know which is it's actually a part of nature too but you know we never want to see it and we never want to have it happen it'll come back it's happened before there but what they faced was just incomparable I mean, I've heard firefighters say they'd never seen anything like it. But I think the good news is, and and something we really should talk about, is the great news out of Napa and Sonoma is very little damage to the uh, the wines. Have you found that to be the case here as well? Because smoke is is something that is really deadly to wine, and if wine is exposed to smoke, you get something called smoke taint. But I think everything was probably in tanks or barrels by that point. And the vines were all dormant. So they weren't affected by the smoke, yeah, which was, know. it was an odd time of year for such a dramatic wildfire, and it happened in winter. So the vines were actually quite protected. And then, of course, the vineyards can turn on their irrigation systems if fire comes close to the vineyards and protect them that way as well. All right. So it's the original Santa Barbara Wine Festival, and you're having bubbles this year too, huh? Yes, we have the Bubble Lounge. That's new this year. We have so many sparkling wines that are being produced in our region. We thought we would put up a a dedicated tent, put some couches in there, some high-top bar tables, bring your wine glass over, and taste all of the different sparkling wines that we have. But you know what's really interesting about this festival is that when you get a vintner like one of these founders pouring the glass of wine for you, your experience of drinking that wine and learning about that wine from a Richard Sanford or a Jim Clendenin or a Bob Lindquist 
is entirely different than if you just pick it up in a restaurant. And, and That's what makes this festival special. And and you're going to have two sensations. The first is this, that, that wow, I just got a glass of wine poured by a legendary winemaker. And the, and the second sensation is, gosh, these legendary winemakers are pretty nice guys. And gals. They're wonderful. Yeah, okay. If you're coming from any part of the country, it's pretty easy to get into the Santa Barbara airport. There's a nice airport there, a small airport, but you can get there. So if you want to fly in, do that. If you're in driving distance, you know, definitely come to this event. Uh, to get tickets online, you go where, Allison? To get tickets online, you go to www.sbvintnersweekend.com. And SB meaning Santa Barbara, sbvintnersweekend.com. Then just for more information about Santa Barbara wines in general, is there another place? Yes, you can go to our website, which is www.sbcountywines.com. sbcountywines.com. And I have a hunch there's probably a link from there to the ticket sales as well. Yes, there is. Okay, so uh, two for the price of one. Allison, it's sure been a pleasure having you on. Thanks very much. I wish you the best in your new position there. You landed yourself one fine wine region to work with. So I, um, you know, say hi to some of my, some of my friends down there. And uh, I, I guarantee you, I'm going to be there this year as well, bumping about. But this is going to be so much fun. You, fun. you get to drink a lot of wine, eat some great food. There's music there. There's culinary talks. There's demonstrations. There's going to be over 30 craft beers. We left all that out. The bubble lounge, of course. And then there'll be Allison. And that's worth the trip all by itself. You're supposed to say <laughs> I leave her stunned. Okay. All right, folks, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters this particular week. If you want more information on the festival, you'll also find it on our website, grapeencounters.com, for a link to the festival. We'll put one up there right away, and you can uh, link yourself over to this wonderful festival and get yourself there. You're going to have a good time. We'll see you here next week. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.